Hello, and welcome to the Cannabis Corner. I am your host, Joshua Braff, and I'm here with my partner, Farmer Adam Teitelbaum. We're going to continue our interview with author Nisha Whitley, who is discussing her mother's end-of-life care. I love that story that your your mom passed that on like that. That, to me, is so endearing and just so humanitarian. Yes, it was just a sweet, loving act. You have to get beyond the stigma and beyond the language. And generationally, it's very brave to say to your peers at an older age, uh, this is working. It shouldn't be the medication that's used after everything else. Guess what everything else uh, incorporates? Oxy, cousins of heroin that are keeping people addicted. It all began with a prescription from their trusted doctor. So to say this is skewed, and you have people who are very, very sick saying, I'm not going to last, but if I were you, I would get over myself, Texas or not, and uh, take a shot at this holistic approach. Some people are so confused. And when I say some people, we're talking about medical communities in major states and cities. So it's brave, your position. I love the words chronic relief as an as a title because it sort of disarms the naysayer and is the pure opposite of a reefer madness, isn't it? I have a question regarding the, the title. Are you aware of the use of the term chronic within the cannabis culture? You must be. Yes. <laughs> So was there a little double entendre there that, Indeed. you know, or was I just, oh, okay, good, because that's how I read it. Yeah. Good, good. So Adam it, read it right. I, lo- I, lo- I love it even more. <laughs> <laughs> even more to Thank celebrate. You. I had uh, some help from somebody who was very wise early on about the language and what goes on in the streets and the black market and lingo. And so as, as I learned from him, that word really stuck out in my mind, you know, because we have way too many people in this country who are chronically ill. And when we talk about the term chronic, it has a negative connotation in culture. Yet, in the cannabis industry, when you talk about chronic, it's the best your money can buy. <laughs> right. And so, in part, the name is really to, to say that, you know, what I hope for you is that you get the very best relief your money can buy because we all deserve that. And so, yes, I knew that, that there was a play on words there. It's interesting to me also that... Your goals in in helping your mom began with the black market, and we're saying the black market in in a way that's not derogatory anymore. In fact, if there was no black market, she would have had more pain, that we know. So I love the word chronic out of that culture, because back in the day when it was purely illegal, you'd hear that word from people. I got chronic, I got kind buds, things that are no longer Mm -hmm. needed to be said on the on the streets. I cannot tell you how many people I have sat with on their deathbed and watched them suffer and suffer greatly. And it was an enormous relief that that was not my mother's fate. And I could not be more grateful for that. You know, my family and I give a lot of credit for the quality of her last couple of weeks of life to the cannabis plant. It just would not have been as uh, comfortable or beautiful without it. Um, Because, you know, being stuck in an opiate-driven haze and 
not being able to receive the love of the people who have come to pay their respects, I feel like is robbing our people of the respect and the love that that they deserve. Exactly. And and that's why I think why it drives me crazy that in Texas today, there isn't medical cannabis and that there isn't relief being brought to people. And I hope that if there are any listeners from the state of Texas uh, listening to this, that you take action in order to bring medical cannabis to the people so that, you know, your people, your family members, your friends, your coworkers have access and access to people with knowledge to guide you through the process and so that it's, you know, not so arcane and not underground so that people can well, get I, relief. And I, I hope that happens. If I can just give a plug to Texans for responsible marijuana policy, please join us. We are several hundred strong and I feel like we represent a wide cross section of the general public and we are politically active. We have workshops that help teach citizens how to be excellent citizen lobbyists and to tell their stories effectively and proudly and without fear of retribution in their communities. You know, because really that's what it's going to take is for people to talk about this. You know, what we've found in Texas is that the majority of Texans, just like every other state in the United States, are pro-medical cannabis. And we have a large number of Texans who are pro-recreational cannabis or adult use. Right now, our focus is advocating for medical, and that's where Texas will be for years to come, I think. But we have a strong coalition of folks that are all working together to see if we can't get the law changed in 2019. We can't get our law changed through a ballot initiative. It has to go through the legislative process, which, quite frankly, is extremely cumbersome. Oh, yeah. When you when you find yourself talking to politicians, because you are a front runner in, in your state with your mindset, which we applaud you for, when you start meeting some of these Texas politicians, can you send them our way? We'd love to chat with them because you could see sure. you could see a, a state like Texas being on the brink of this progressiveness or this evolution because it's a, it's. It's one that involves health and and humans. So it's going to be very, very hard to ignore. It's a matter of political language, as you can tell. And you and your mom were super brave. And um, this beautiful book is out for all to get. Do you want to tell us uh, the best way to buy this book? Is it Amazon or what's your thought, Nisha, on how people could get it? Amazon.com is the best way to get it. And I would ask if the book is of service to anyone. A review, regardless of how many stars there are, would be greatly appreciated because reviews result in SEO benefit on Amazon, and then Amazon will help push the book. And the more books sold, the more people who are educated and the more people who get relief. And then the domino effect benefits families and communities, and the more people who are getting the relief they need, then the better our world will be. Very well put. Had you ever written a book before? No. So cannabis and your experience and the relief it brought to your mother and the promise that you've seen in it caused you to write this book, which really ends up, you know, helping and affecting others. I 
I think that's a spectacular cannabis story. I just, I love that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, my my uh, other question was, did you have a plan when you got this cannabis, since your mother's plan was not to smoke it or vaporize it, but you ended up cooking with it? Where did you look and come up with your butter or oil recipe? How did you decide what you were going to do with it? Oh, I searched the internet. <laughs> Isn't that where we find the answer to everything? Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought of it. And I'm somebody who likes to cook and not always very good at following the recipe because I'll always modify it, except maybe for when I'm baking. And in this particular instance, I was terrified. I didn't know what I was doing. And so I finally found some guy on YouTube that seemed to sound like he knew what he was talking about. And I followed this recipe at the time. Now, this was probably six years ago at this point, maybe six and a half. And he wore a white lab coat and then a handkerchief over his nose so it covered the second half of his face, sunglasses Mm -hmm. on his eyes, a hat, and gloves. So it was a very different time than it is now. I didn't tell anybody what was going on, and I followed his directions to the T, and then as soon as it was done, I baked some cookies and got them to my mom as quickly as I possibly could. You saw relief in her fast? Yes. We were, honestly, we were blown away at what it did for my mom. It gave her so much comfort. That means so much. Adam was a caregiver back in the day. We'd say, oh, six or oh, five, Adam, and many, many scenarios in which he'd go into people's homes and there'd be a hospital bed there. And he was with severely ill people. And it was the very beginning of saying, hey, here's relief, not just not just relief, but quick relief where a person could settle into a calmer vibe. And it's very, very important to note that we heal when we're calm. It's harder to heal when you're in pain. It's harder to heal when probably when you think you're doing something illegal, even though it's helping you feel better. So lots and lots of years, lots of years of evolution here. And still Texas is saying, all right, we might let you try it, but please try everything under the sun before that. Nisha Whiteley, you are the author of Chronic Relief, a guide to cannabis for the chronically and terminally ill. And you are waving the Texas flag as far as bringing cannabis's medicine into the masses, and there's always a person needed like that in every state. Uh, We want to thank you so much for coming on the Cannabis Corner, and we hope that you'll come back on someday and tell us how things have evolved. Well, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I also appreciate the work that you guys are doing and spreading the word about cannabis. There just can't possibly be enough of us spreading the good word. I believe strongly that it is not possible for a person to be well-informed about the cannabis plant and remain anti-cannabis. That is very well put. One little glimmer of hope that we saw in 2017 was the fact that our bill, our medical cannabis bill, which would have greatly expanded the Texas Compassionate Use Program, it would have expanded conditions, and it would have also expanded Uh, the program to include THC. We had over 60 people testify in support of the bill. Only one person 
testified against the bill. We would have had significantly more people testify except for the fact that the committee had asked us to reduce our numbers that were coming. And after the incredibly passionate testimony of a variety of physicians, researchers, parents, and patients, and some law enforcement criminal justice professionals, we ended up having over 80 House members sign on in support of that bill, which is a majority of the House. And it was it had strong bipartisan support. So what that means is that had it actually made it in time to the House floor for a vote, it would have passed the Texas House. So that gives us incredible hope that in 2019, we're going to have a large number of representatives that are supporting our legislation. So it it certainly makes getting started in 2019 a lot easier. Yeah, you've you've got something going on there. There's no way that your community is not growing. And then, the like you said, if someone sits and listens to testimony, which is not happening enough, and part of the reason we're here is to bring language and tone to this demystification. But when you li- listen to testimony, it's very hard to not hear truth because we're talking about pain and not pain, suffering and not suffering, being well enough to continue with your progress and getting healthier. I had a conversation with one of the fundraisers from Privateer two years ago, and he's raised millions of dollars for Canada's companies. And I had the chance to ask him, what got you into this? And he confessed, he said, look, this was purely a profit interest for me. And I said, well, you certainly don't speak that way when I see you on panels or talking to different groups. What changed your mind? Because he is incredibly passionate about the plant. I said, what converted you? What changed your mind? And he said, well, it was probably that 500th person that told me the story of how cannabis gave them their life back. Right. He said, I just can't continue to overlook the potential for the greater good with legalizing this benevolent plant. Exactly. What a what an interesting time we're in. And um, I feel good about taking the reins with others like yourself and all these communities. They're taking a beat and saying, we weren't told the truth here. And perhaps it got confusing because there were so many other recreational drugs that were ultimately negative for a human body. <laughs> so very confusing, but you can see we're on, a, we're on a pretty good road here. When I first started writing the book and I was doing my deep dive into medical research and government documents, and I read all of the transcripts from Judge Francis Young, who was the administrative law judge for the DEA, and I read all of his transcripts from the hearings that he had to consider whether or not he was going to recommend the descheduling or the rescheduling of cannabis to the DEA. It just blew my mind, and I would call different friends at the time and say, oh, my gosh, you wouldn't believe what I discovered. Finally, I think people just got tired of me calling because I was doing a lot of calling because there was a whole lot of discovery, and what I was finding is that what I was taught as a middle schooler or a high schooler and beyond wasn't the truth, and that this was uh, a plant that could really 
benefit millions of Americans. And so at that point, I became emboldened to tell the story. And you've done such a great job. Yeah, you really have. I, I give you a big yee-haw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you again, Nisha Whiteley. We really appreciate you. Texas is lucky to have you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. We'll talk again, okay? All right. You guys have a fine day. Have a wonderful day. Thank you again. You too. Thanks, Nisha. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Farmer Adam and I love hearing your comments, and many of you have some great questions we'd like to discuss on the air. For example, now that cannabis is recreationally legal in many states, how do I approach the topic with my teenager? We are also grateful for your donations, however small. To help us continue producing the best quality episodes of The Cannabis Corner, you can text CBD to 555-888 and donate any amount. That's the letters CBD to 555 We hope you have a wonderful week, and thanks for taking what you learn here and passing it on to a person you love. And now more with our interview with Shanita Penny. We were discussing New Jersey and incarceration and how the template for progress in many states has been held up in the Garden State. That is exciting. And New Jersey's a progressive state that got hung up on the cannabis issue. It tried to open itself to the possibilities that other states were having. And of course, famously, conservative governor Chris Christie didn't see it as many did. As soon as he leaves, there's progress. And it's an import- a very, very important state in that New Jersey has been known to arrest a great amount of people for cannabis crimes and sort of famous for not going after the major hitter in the, in the industry as they were doing, but more after the man on the street. The jails are filled. We've talked a lot about expungement of records an attempt to get people back to their families and the notion that when you come out of prison, your record is not stamped with a felony or misdemeanor and you have an opportunity to get work. I think it's interesting to think about that work possibly being in in the industry that's now accepted so openly and there are so many jobs involved with that. I do want to say that perhaps that's too easy a fix, as I say it, talking about a large population of people who need to find their way to a living wage. We would love to see progress in this realm, as I know you would, Shanita. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Tell us something, Shanita, that we don't know about what's going on. Anything come to mind about you or the industry that is sort of fresh? I know this new Phil Murphy uh, effort is very, very new. Absolutely. Well, you touched on something that's near and dear to my heart, which is expungement. You know, I was well into my 30s before I ever had a an interaction with the police related to marijuana. Hmm. And, you know, I was in a position where I literally don't know what I would have done had I been pulled over anywhere else. I was in Virginia, the town I was in. One of my dearest friends happens to live there. Her family is there and her father's an attorney, very connected. And it was a simple phone call after I had that police interaction. And I knew exactly what I needed to do so that this would not impede going after a new client or, you know, leasing a place if I ever wanted to do that. And interestingly enough, I was not aware at the time that something like this may keep me out of the cannabis industry. 
So I went through the process. The charges were dropped. My arrest was expunged. And it's never been a thing for me in a negative way. But it's been something that's allowed me to connect and really serve and pay it forward in the work that I'm doing with the Minority Cannabis Business Association. We have, you know, had expungement fairs where we bring in attorneys and we connect folks with the resources they need to go through the expungement process. But we are really looking to take it a step forward and provide resources to those folks, not just to get into the cannabis industry, but to just get back to, you know, life, a good job, education, access to, you know, loans for education, the ability to lease an apartment without these things being on your record. That's my focus. The Minority Cannabis Business Association is also focusing on providing business resources for minorities and and folks that are in communities that have been impacted by the war on drugs. We are partnering with Hoban Law Group and the University of Colorado next month to bring an opportunity summit to Denver. And what we're doing is providing resources in the name of, you know, these are experts in our industry that these folks may not have access to if they're not spending $1,000 to go to a conference or, you know, $5,000 a year to join some of the industry associations. And so for me, the advocacy piece, we're getting very active on the policy side. This year, we are looking to have an even bigger and better lobby day. Our lobby day last year, uh, we specifically called on members of the Congressional Black Caucus And for some of those members who serve states like California to find out that they had never been approached and educated about policy that affects our industry by some of these larger organizations was was astonishing. And so we were able to connect and have meetings with seven members that day, and we intend to continue to do so. And also partner with larger industry associations that are lobbying to present a united front. I think that's the biggest thing for me this year is really focusing on what's important and that's ending prohibition. And it's not enough to legalize, you know, without touching the social justice and the racial equity as it relates to the cannabis industry. We just saw Bernie Sanders put out some legislation. I am endorsing Cory Booker's Marijuana Justice Act because, again, for the first time, we're seeing cannabis legislation that goes back and says, let's not just legalize this and make some money. Let's also go back and address the criminal justice reform that needs to happen. I'm super excited about the fresh legislation, the fact that our policymakers have to listen to the will of the people and act on that. Wow, the wind is at your back for sure. And that's why you're waking up excited in the morning, and justly so. That just brings us to the feeling of this new reel, which I say a lot, and someone says, what does the new reel mean? Well, it's the ubiquity of the stigma lifting and Nebraska getting on board because they think that they are seeing changes that they'd like to be a part of. If you'd like to stop pointing your finger at Colorado, Nebraska, this is a terrific time to do it. You know, Nebraska is a mecca of farming, so I would expect Nebraska to put out some incredible cannabis. They're going to get the blue ribbon. They'll be surprised. They'll have the blue ribbon. (laughs) (laughs) They just have to uh, get over themselves a little bit. You you know, 
I had that moment earlier, or excuse me, I had that moment last year when I was working on applications for the Arkansas Medical Marijuana Program. It was that kind of, wow, if the if the Bible Belt, if the Deep South is getting behind this, I can do it. And I didn't realize how much of a, a mind shift it was until we were getting close to the deadline. If you've worked on applications, you know it's crunch time. Your head's down. You've either hired folks to work on this full time or you're working on it full time. And it's nothing to work, you know, on a Sunday to work on a holiday if you're working towards this deadline. And that was the case in Maryland. That was the case in Pennsylvania. But in Arkansas, my clients were not interested in Sunday meetings. Everything could wait till Monday (laughs) because they were in church on Sunday. Right. (laughs) Right. It was very interesting. And um, as we talked to folks in the community, it was very obvious that there had been a lot of education about what this meant from a medical aspect, economic, and they were able to see past kind of all the brainwashed images and propaganda that we've been fed and have worked within those parameters for so long. So to to see those walls coming down and to see those barriers being lifted is amazing. There's a fine line there where the person says, absolutely not. Now pass me my whiskey. And then then you step over this line. And the three of us know that a God-fearing evangelist is also going to benefit from a, a tincture and elongate his life in ways that he may not be open to. But it seems that person is getting on board now. And that that's very, very, good in the realm of all people being able to benefit in their own way. If the evangelist can support somebody like Trump, then I think the evangelist could probably come around to supporting cannabis, especially since Jesus uh, used it when anointing people used the cannabis oil. There's an in into that community right there. I love when Farmer Adam talks about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Just love it. I can It can go on forever. Shanita, tell us a little bit about Budding Solutions. So Budding Solutions is a boutique cannabis consulting firm. We've helped applicants in Maryland, Pennsylvania, and now Arkansas apply for licenses. We've been successful in Pennsylvania, and we have a client opening three dispensaries outside Philadelphia. We are waiting to hear back on Arkansas licenses. And I also work with a number of ancillary brands in the space as well. Could you tell our uh, listeners how long Budding Solutions has been around? I actually started my project management consulting business in 2013. And in 2015, I transitioned that company to serve the cannabis industry. Shanita, we are so grateful to you and and also very excited for you. Uh, And we love knowing you, Shanita Penny. Uh, We'd love to have you back as this evolves and we can talk more. And it's wonderful to meet somebody who is so adamant about being an educator. That's really what I'm getting from you is you are building bridges for people to hear what you have to say. And what you have to say is very, very important, crucial. We're talking about families, health. We're talking about being able to stay out of jail for stupid reasons. So we thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me, and I'd love to come back. We've got some interesting things coming up in New Jersey, so uh, we'll reconnect and continue this conversation. Oh, terrific. We'll have you anytime. Shanita Penny, thank you. Farmer Adam and I are so grateful for your listening, and thank you for your comments on the website as well. Don't forget to look for us on Insta and Twitter, and we'll see you next time on The Cannabis Corner. Mm-hmm.